podcast listener. I'm Greg Mahachko. I am Chad Smart. And this is Greg and Chad's Power Half Hour. And long before Carrie Underwood dug her key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive and carved her name into his leather seats, Roseanne was playing a jilted lover in a long game of revenge. Chad? And this devil does not wear Prada. Interestingly enough, she wears nurse's scrubs for half the film. What are we talking about? It's 1989 Orion Pictures, She-Devil. Hi, this is Robin Leach, and I'm here at the luxurious home of the super-glamorous romance writer Mary Fisher. She's the woman who has everything. Beauty... Fame. My books reflect my own experience of lovemaking as sacred and beautiful. And plenty of hired help. I bet she makes you earn every penny, huh? <laughs> but could it be that something is missing from this romantic storybook world? Oh, the little families. Mummies and daddies and dear little children. How lucky they all are. To see how the other half lives, meet Ruth Patchett, a domestic demon. Your father loves mushroom soup. Queen of a suburban paradise. I'm in the bar. The woman is a walking disaster area. What could these two women possibly have in common? You look like an angel. You look like an angel. Walk like an angel. Walk like an angel. Talk like an angel. Ranged woman out of here. Justice serves those who serve themselves. That's your wife? It's too bad. You're the devil in the sky. Oh, yes, you are. Devil in the sky. She devil. I put this hanky panky there. Chad, she-devil, you little devil you, you picked this one. You know, yeah, I, you know, I originally had thought for this debut episode of Not My Demographic that we would start off with a, a Medea film. For some reason, I, I just figured that would be something that neither one of us has probably ever seen. But I, I wanted to give you the option. And I said, Greg, what is something you, you know, you would never watch on your own? And and then you had to seek out help as well. Yeah, I didn't have a really good answer because there's a lot. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot that I try to avoid. Um, it and at this point, the only time I'm going out of the house to a movie theater is for something that I'm ninety percent sure is you know I'm, I'm going to like. I don't take too many chances with with my entertainment dollars. But uh, no, when we had this conversation, I turned uh, you know to my wife on the couch and I said, "Honey." What's something that I just wouldn't watch, entertainment that I wouldn't consume? And she says, pretty matter of fact, she said, I don't know, anything with Meryl Streep. And she's right. I have gone out of my way to avoid Meryl Streep movies like uh, Dark Age residents or citizens uh, went out of their way to avoid the bubonic plague. And I, equally successful. I, I've, I've caught uh, the Meryl Streep bug uh, more more often than I would like to admit. Meryl Streep is in this movie, Roseanne, as we mentioned, and Ed Begley Jr. You got to go back 30 years, Chad, for Ed Begley to be a, or Ed Begley Jr. to be a leading man. 
This is probably true. I know he was on a TBS sitcom a few years ago, but he was playing, you know, a very minor side character. And of course, he's in most of the Christopher Guest movies, which Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman. Actually, I don't think he's in Waiting for Guffman, but he's in Best in Show and A Mighty Wind, and he's he's good in those. But yeah, I, I, Ed Begley Jr. is one of those uh, cheap plug time here on the Out of Out of Touchstone podcast that my co-host Mike DeCalvin and I do. We've been seeing a lot of movies with Richard Dreyfuss in the leading role. And we say he's not a man, an actor that you would think as a leading man, um, you know, Romeo type guy. I don't think I would buy Ed Begley Jr. as a leading man, but here he is, you know, wooing Meryl Streep off of her feet. Yeah. Um, so quick synopsis of the movie, because again, this is a 30 minute podcast. Ed Begley Jr.'s character is married to Roseanne's character. They have two kids, a girl and a boy, and he's an accountant, and she's, I don't know, I guess largely a housewife, at least early on. Um, he They're at a, a work function for him, and he meets Meryl Streep's character, who is a romance novelist, and, you know, they he it's, it's very odd the first night. You know, I don't know if she claims she's had too much to drink or he's just a super swell guy. Uh, but he takes his wife home and then gives Meryl Streep's character a ride home like 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it is in the opposite direction and then drives back. It's gets back really late, and I think we know why. Uh, so it, it, as time goes on, you know, Roseanne's kind of, you know, playing the, you know, supportive wife and then – there's an incident with uh, his parents at coming over for dinner and it, 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 it snowballs from there. He, you know, uh, Ed Begley Jr.'s character says he has four assets that every man should have, which I believe are, correct me if I'm wrong, home, family, career, and freedom. And, uh, uh, says, you know, the only reason I, I, I found it watching the movie, the only reason, that the movie is called She Devil is because one time, that's right, folks. One time, Ed Begley Jr.'s character refers to his wife Roseanne's character as a She Devil, and then they part ways, and then she begins uh, the the process of systematically tearing his world apart. And you've got to be pretty heinous in the story writing or or as a character to make Roseanne feel you know seem sympathetic. And I was, at times, pretty sympathetic towards old Roseanne. Yeah, I, this movie was not what I was expecting. And, uh, you know, I think, first off, the, the big thing that I found shocking is Roseanne and Meryl Streep only have two scenes together throughout the entire film, one at the beginning and one at the end. But, you know, I Roseanne plays the long game, like you said in the beginning. This takes... I think months to execute her whole plan to destroy Ed Begley Jr., which I found interesting. Like she wasn't going after Meryl Streep or stealing her husband. She was just trying to get back at her husband for leaving her. Right. Poor Meryl Streep. You know, as I mentioned, those four assets and we're going to break into them uh, or or break them all down. But the first one being home. So what does she do? She packs up the stuff she needs and the stuff she, uh, you know, her kids need. And she blows up the house, Chad. She blows up the house with all of the, you know, 80s warning label, yeah. you know, methods possible. And it's one of the best 
realistic looking green screen shots that I've ever seen as she's walking out of the house with it blowing up behind her. So often, if there's an explosion, you have the characters, you know, like running and then the force of said explosion, mm-hmm. like, you know, propels them forward. But I'll tell you what, Roseanne here, she's calm as can be. And like yeah. you said, it's because they're not in the same room. Exactly. Um, so I, mean, I, I thought it was like watching Superman fly, though. It was just that realistic. Well, let's let's not get carried away. Um, so, I you you made the point that uh, uh, you know the the two actresses, the two female leads, Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr, have two scenes. Uh, IMDb claims they only have the one major scene at the beginning. Uh, I'm trying to remember towards the end. I know you're not wrong. I just cannot remember exactly what part it is at the end where the the two characters meet up again. At the end, Meryl Streep is selling her newest book, and Roseanne comes up That's to have right. Side. That's right. Now, uh, not what, not what one would up, consider a major scene. Yeah, not a major scene. And thinking back, I don't even know if they're sh- shown in the same scene or if it's like a shot of Mer- Meryl, a shot of Roseanne. So they may not have, have any tr- screen time sure. uh, together. I can't remember. But, yeah, it's – uh, I thought this would be more about Meryl Streep and Roseanne arguing and fighting back and forth, and I, I did not get that. I uh, this was just a very weird film, and uh, as as I often say on Out of Touchstone, that most movies are like one or two rewrites away from being a good film. I think this one could use probably a good three or four rewrites to really hone in on the characters and make the plot a little bit more interesting. Well, let's talk uh, just a little bit more about these assets. As I mentioned, home gone family, you know, she, she's out the door. Uh, Roseanne is a uh, pronouns pal. And she has dropped her two, you know, their two kids off with at, at Meryl Streep's palatial estate, which you hear in the trailer uh, being vocalized and, and uh, uh, briefly discussed by sir or not sir, but by uh, Robin Leach. Uh, you know, uh, champagne and caviar, champagne wishes and caviar dreams, lifestyles of the rich and fabulous. If you are under the age of 25, you probably don't know who that is. Also, if you're under the age of 25, this was cinema in the 80s. We apologize. Um, but uh, uh, so now the kids are, are, you know, living there. And, of course, they're driving Meryl Streep crazy because she was, you know, an independent woman. Her career is going downhill because uh, she's you know, she is a romance novelist and, you know, she prides herself on, well, I only, I write about my personal experiences. So now her new book is about, uh, you know, a, a living with the divorcee and his two kids, you know, type of things. And, uh, uh, you know, so Ed Begley Jr. Meanwhile, you know, professionally, he thinks he's, you know, living the life, but he's just con you know, he, he didn't learn his lesson. He's one of the bad guys, ladies. Uh, he, as soon as things got a little stressful with Meryl Streep, he's, he's looking uh, elsewhere. He's, he's, he's trying to look uh, outside the home and that lands him in some trouble because meanwhile, Roseanne has found her confidence and, uh, uh, decided, you know, she's taking the sabotage, I guess, to the next level. She started a, a company where she employs women. I can't remember exactly what the name is, but I know that there's like a red rose or something involved. Correct, Chad? Correct. I believe she pairs up 
because she takes a job working in the nursing home that Meryl Streep's mother is uh, put up in because Meryl Streep doesn't want to deal with her mother. So she's put her up there and she meets Roseanne meets this other coworker who, uh, if anybody watches NCIS, she is on there. She's the little small woman that I think gives LL Cool J and, and uh, Robin their, their uh, tasks each week. Um, and I believe her name is Rose or Rose is in her name. So they, it's like a combination of their two names, but yeah, I don't remember what it is. So, uh, in doing so, she, like I said, she's, you know, taken the investment that her coworker had, you know, been putting money aside. She said, well, I don't have any expenses. So I've just been putting, you know, what, maybe what, how much is, I mean, 50,000, a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars away, you know, over the 20 years that she'd been you know, probably not. 500,000, but you know, the, the years that she's been living there without, you know, any expenses and she, uh, uh, you know, they start this firm, they're employing women and this is the pre, you're going to get a kick out of this shit. I think this is the pre woke era where, you know, they're not, nobody's beating us over the head, you know, for representation or for acknowledgement this is, you know, uh, and she's doing a great thing. She's, you know, em- employing them, empowering them, and letting them, you know, perhaps build new lives. I, there's a great scene at the end of the movie. We'll get there. Um, but it's, you know, just Roseanne and all of her uh, employees, all of her, you know, I don't know if subordinates isn't the right word, but all, everyone that she's helped, you know, advance in their life, you know, all walking down the street. So I guess we... We got there sooner than I anticipated, but uh, one of the young ladies in her employ, she sends to be a secretary for her ex-husband, for Ed Begley Jr., and of course they hit it off because that's what Ed Begley Jr. does is he gets you in the sack, and uh, in that process, this young lady uh, reveals to Roseanne that, you know, he some perhaps uh, definitely a, a password and but uh you know believe if i if i gleamed it correctly chad uh that there was some what's the word I'm, not, not money laundering but uh there was some illegal activity in old at Begley Jr's uh accounting office he, he was skimming some money from his clients gotcha yeah, and not uh, enough to be noticed but but it was there the old uh, uh fraction of a penny scheme from office space right yes uh so they sped up the process and you know, took two hundred dollars from his clients and and put it in his uh, account, uh, offshore account, naturally. And so now, you know, he's lost his career, and at, at, as we see at the end of the movie, he's lost his freedom because he was incarcerated. Um, not really anything you could do about it. Meanwhile, and I I mentioned this to you as I was watching the movie at the beginning of the movie. Roseanne's character has just a big old obnoxious. Uh, Fred, uh, um, Savage in Austin Powers mole on his, uh, you know, on her upper lip. And I said, what in the world is that all about? And you made the very poignant statement, Chad, if you want to repeat that. Uh, I believe I said something like it was there to show you Roseanne Barr was an unattractive housewife. Yep. And then you see about midway through the movie, how sucker's gone. She had that thing lanced and uh, uh, is, you know, looking, is 
good as Roseanne could look in 1989, I guess. Um, try to tiptoe around that carefully. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you see at the, at the outset or, or at the end that she has won. You know, uh, Roseanne has, you know, I believe she has her kids back. You know, she, and, and they had to be confused because they went from living in this little suburban home to living in the mansion. Uh, but, but they got to be happy now. Mom's back. They found out, and they think they always knew that dad was a dirtbag, didn't they? Especially the older daughter. Yeah, probably. I mean, I think, you know, once he left her, left Roseanne to go with Meryl Streep, I'm sure the kids weren't. Sure, they were excited to be living in a better house, but uh, probably lost all respect for their dad. So when you said that, you know, when you mentioned earlier that this movie wasn't what you thought it would be, when you told me that it was Roseanne and the title She-Devil, I certainly anticipated some supernatural type of, you know, shenanigans. But really, it was just, I think, if anything, this movie's just mistitled. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I can see that. Well, I mean, you can say the She-Devil is is there for Roseanne because she is, you know, trying to destroy Ed Begley Jr., but kind of like you mentioned earlier, she's the sympathetic one in it because she was wrong and she's just trying to get revenge. But you're rooting for her to get the revenge. So is that... You know, I wouldn't call her a she-devil uh, as as a term of endearment. I can see Ed Begley Jr. calling her a she-devil because she's ruining his life. But, uh, yeah, I don't think the audience would call her a she-devil. No, I don't think so either. That's why the the title itself just uh, uh, confused the crap out of me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, was, don't, I don't know if the, the – by that I mean I don't know if the title fit the movie. I can see that. And I was expecting more – and I haven't seen this since seeing it in a the theater, but it also starred Meryl Streep. And I'm going to guess you probably have not seen it. Uh, a movie with Goldie Hawn and Bruce Willis called Death Becomes Her. I have seen it. It's been years, but I okay. have so, seen it. Yeah, so I don't remember that movie as well. I can, can't tell you plot points, but I was expecting something along those lines. Like I, I thought Meryl Streep and, and Roseanne would be going back and forth and trying to best one each other. And like I said, they, they have no scenes together. They don't really like Roseanne, uh, Meryl Streep doesn't, you know, even think about Roseanne uh, doing anything to her family. Like when her mom shows up after Roseanne takes her off, takes the mom off the medications that the nursing home is giving her and then sends her and says, Oh, you should go visit your, you know, your daughter. Um, Meryl Streep doesn't think anything about it. It's just, I mean, she, she's shocked. But then the mom is just there and it's like, right. okay, mom, mom's here now. And I know the nursing home does call and tell her that they're not taking her back because they think she has a bedwetting problem, which a whole nother story. But yeah, the, like I said, the, a lot of the character motivations in this movie just seem to uh, be missing. Well, I mean, Ed Begley Jr.'s character motivation is, I guess, maybe the stereotypical you know, guy who thinks with his pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roseanne's motivation seems pretty reasonable. I mean, that that's obviously the one that's most thought out. Uh, but the Meryl Streep one is like, okay, first of all, if you're Meryl Streep in 1989 and you're some, you know, famous and rich, you know, romance novelist, 
He can do better than Ed Begley Jr., right? You would think. And, that, yeah, that's the other thing is I don't understand why Meryl Streep was so drawn to him. And I, I actually thought that by the time the movie was over – that it would all be kind of a dream sequence and it would be Roseanne reading the latest <laughs> Meryl Streep book. You just which, want everything to be, you know, like a, uh, a, a Dallas type of ending. Don't you? Uh, I will go with new heart uh, well, 500, but uh, no, I just, I, cause again, I, I think with the story plotting there, uh, it just seemed like a bad romance novel. Well, it is kind of a bad. It, it's actually uh, a loose adaptation of the life and loves of a she devil by Faye Weldon, which was first published in 1983. This was actually the second. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, adaptation. Adaptation. Thank you. Uh, of the book, and it was a highly regarded BBC adaptation. Uh, but director Susan Seidelman. Did I get that right, Mr. Hollywood? Uh, sure. Okay. Did I have not, no idea who she is. Re- well, she's the director. Uh, reportedly didn't realize that it was a BBC adaptation until this movie was well into production. Uh, also, Meryl Streep was considered for the She-Devil character. You can imagine that. Uh, but due to some conceptual similarity with Streep's uh, previous picture, A Cry in the Dark... She decided to portray the romance novelist instead. Shall I go on reading from IMDb? No, I I think we're good. Uh, I also think I had read that the reason Meryl Streep did this movie is because she had never done comedy and she wanted to prove that she could do it. Um, I think she should have chosen a comedy to prove that because I don't know what this was, but I I wouldn't classify it as a comedy. Uh, And... I, I was going to ask you earlier, uh, this movie came out in 1989, so you would have been, what, six, seven? Uh, yeah, depending on its actual release date, yeah. uh, six or seven. So six or seven-year-old Greg, were you aware of this movie, or was your summer of 89 strictly Michael Keaton and Batman? So I did not know this movie existed until two weeks ago when you said, hey, what about She-Devil? Um, summer of 89, Greg was probably more, it wasn't like, I I didn't fall into the Batman craze per se. Not that I didn't know who Batman was because I'd been watching, uh, the Batman 66 in syndication, but, uh, you know, I didn't really have any DC comic books at the time. And I want to say that I, it was probably Ninja Turtles, if I'm being honest. Uh, also Tiny Toons, and didn't I actually didn't see the Batman movie until mid nineties, like early to mid nineties on VHS. So I was I was behind the eight ball on that one. Gotcha. Okay, I was just curious because yeah, this for me, I you know I I, I would not have probably seen any Meryl Streep movie. Um, with the exception of Kramer versus Kramer, I remember watching that um, when I was on cable. My parents were watching it, but like I hadn't seen Sophie's Choice or Silkwood or Out of Africa, and I didn't really. I probably didn't even know who Meryl Streep really was, like I do today. Mm-hmm. And 
And so, and then you have Roseanne uh, in the movie as well. And I know she's coming off the first season of the Roseanne TV show, but this, uh, yeah, this flew under my radar as something that uh, was not any type of uh, interest or even, even with my love of 80 cinema going back and rewatching years later, this, this just, uh, as I said, this is not in my demographic. No, and uh, this was actually Roseanne's first theatrical appearance. Um, it's kind of funny looking up the uh, uh, BBC version. It was actually done in a four-part miniseries, and I mean that's pretty much all I can tell you. I mean, I could tell you names of English actors that you probably won't know. Um, I mean, unless you want me to, but probably not. Um, so that's in, and it came out in 1986, so three years after the book, three years prior to this movie. Um, so yeah, I, I just don't. It's it's funny when you look at this and you see some of the names uh, that were considered for the role of Bob Patchett, who ended up being Ed Bakley Jr., like Harrison Ford, uh, Richard Dreyfus, who you mentioned, uh, Steve Martin, Jeffrey Jones, and it's just. I don't know. I, this is not look as as the title of this series goes. This is not my demographic. This is not one that I would go back and watch again. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that I didn't. You know, I, like I wasn't clawing for the remote five minutes in, and I told you, you know, whatever evening it was, I say yeah, I'm just going to start this. Probably watch fifteen twenty minutes of a half hour. You know, pause it, come back to it another time, and I watched the whole thing that night if that tells you anything i don't know if it does yeah i i'm the same way i'm not going to go back and revisit this uh it was good to see it once and i can move on to the next meryl street movie that i won't watch yes um yeah and i don't think roseanne did any uh, having i know she had a small role in nightmare on elm street the final nightmare i believe it was in part seven seven six but i can't think of any other movie that she did where she was the lead. Uh, that's a good. Yeah. Don't. I think she just stuck with her show and then, and then took too much Ambien and, and hit up Twitter. And well, here, the last we saw of Roseanne. And see, here's the thing too, is that, uh, uh, you know, her list of credits is pretty short as far as acting credits. She mm. only has 30 acting credits. Um, mm. You know, so that's, yeah, just looking at it real quick here. I don't see, you know, she did Gen- uh, General Hospital briefly, uh, She-Devil, Look Who's Talking too. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah she would have been the voice, but yeah. yeah, she's not in the movie. No. Uh, so, yeah, you're not, not, a, not a big film career, just, you know, obviously the TV, um, you know, notoriety or, or fame or however you want to uh, look at it. So, as we mentioned, this was an Orion Pictures uh, production had an opening weekend box office of three and a half million in December 10th of 1989. So at that point I was seven, uh, grossed worldwide 15,000, 15,000, $15,351,421. Um, don't know its budget. Don't care. It's just, you know, it's, I mean, look, they, they blew their, their budget on that house explosion. That's my guess. Um, and in this movie like this is not not you know I mean they made like I said they made five times their 
you know, well, I guess I can't say they made five times their budget. I don't know their budget, but, um, you know, they, I don't know. They, uh, it, it was perfectly serviceable December. Yeah. This is a perfect, this is a movie that you would see on cable or maybe discover on video, but I don't think anybody was really rushing out to see it in the theater. So this is back when, but this was also a time when we would have mid-level movies that were made when everything wasn't supposed to be a franchise or a blockbuster. Right. So this is something you, you counter program with or just throw out in, uh, you know, I think, I think you said it came out in December. So something other than Oscar films, this is counter programming. Do you, you, you don't think this is getting any Oscar love? This wasn't Oscar bait. Since uh, I know you and Travis just no. talked about that. We did. And you can listen to Popology 101. We'll be doing Oscars for the next uh, three episodes. Oh, I listen. Or we've already done them, depending on when you listen to this. I listen, sir. And so do all of the listeners of Greg and Chad's Power Half Hour. Um, and which I believe the half hour is about up. Is it really? Are we, are we there already? We're close. Um, yeah, so is this a movie they could realistically make again? In 2020, I guess, is the next question. Uh, they could. I don't see them doing so. I think everyone has pretty much forgotten that this movie exists. Well, it's look, folks, it's either you forgot that it existed or you're like us and you didn't know it existed. But either way, She-Devil, if you want to watch it, it's only an hour and 39 minutes long. And you can find it for free on Vudu if you have that app. Uh, we suffered through it. Now it's your turn. I, that, that's going to be the way we end every uh, Not My Demographic <laughs> episode. We suffer through it. You can, too. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.